Oh, we're over here jamming, jamming with our song again. Just dancing, doing my Friday morning dance. Ooh. I know, it's cool. We gotta get that robot in the background you've got going over there, like dancing with us or something like that. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it would be cool. Actually, it is. Uh, you know, from a show, and I think I told you I'm on the Stanley Foundation Advisory Board. Oh, yeah, that's cool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's the Marvel world that we live in and actually a person can go in that but if uh, um um they do you have to make sure that you're you're ready for it because it can scare the crud out of you it's pretty hot and very claustrophobic it, i would yeah. assume well it's well it's it's not being in it but the idea that it moves because it's it's uh, about the six foot five and it is beefy and so uh uh, when it starts moving, it's like, holy crud. And then you have to go, no friend, no friend, you know. Is it robotic? No, no, no. Just the idea of having somebody moving inside that costume. It's yeah. scary, you know. Does it um, have uh, like coolers inside there to keep you cool? Is there fans in there? No, no, no not at all. But it's, 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 it's interesting. It's, it's, uh, it breathes. It's, it's set up to breathe, you know, for the movement, everything like that. So that's marvelous. It's, very marvel. <laughs> it's early here, Friday morning. Everybody, welcome back to another episode, episode number 007 of yep. High School. We're here back at the uh, hangar, the old hangar here with me and my co pilot over here to my, uh, well, let's see, to my right. My that, left. That's it. Yeah, to your left. Yeah, stage, stage right. Left, how's that work? From there, really? You're right there. Yeah. Oh, you did it right from the first jump. Yeah, yeah. I was well, I, I had a chance to watch you and go, okay, hand this hand. Oh, okay, oh, oh, let's see. There we go. Oh, see, I thought about it. I just thought off yeah. there. So yeah. if I look this way, if I look the other way from you, hey Bill. Oh, hey Matt. Good to see you. Hey, how are you? Hey, nice great. to see you over great. there. Good to see you, man. You're looking yeah, really you look just good. like my wall for some reason. I don't know why. You look kind of flat. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, but we can. Sorry, guys, we're big kids. We have fun with this kind of stuff. But I would call that a good or a bad example of multitasking. Oh man, here we go, Mr. Segway himself. We are <laughs> going to be rocking and rolling into Segway and change today. If you've been following along with us for the past several weeks, you know we've been digging into a tool that uh, I created called the Fifth Gear which is number five at the four stages of learning. So the four stages of learning kind of cut off at unconscious competence. And uh, I'm not the only guy in the world who's ever thought what comes past that, but my version of that's called the fifth gear. And that's the place past unconscious competence. So that place where you're just in overdrive in life, as a parent, in, uh, in your job, your career, whatever the case may be, when, you're, when you drive from home to work, most of the time you're not thinking about where Oh, I got to take a left here. Don't forget to take a left. Oh, where am I supposed to go now? You just go, right? You just go there, take a left at the big tree, and you go here. I mean, roads don't even have names anymore. It doesn't matter, right? So it's an unconscious competence. So uh, the whole premise behind the fifth gear, and by the way, if you'd like these notes, you can always write into us at flightschoolonline at gmail.com, and we'll be happy to send it to you because there's a lot of information we're throwing at you over the weeks, and you can follow right along easily with us. Uh, so that place of, of unconscious competence, now the fifth gear is saying, I want to engage a place of conscious competence. I'm aware of what I do, and I'm able to explain that effectively, not only to myself, but to other people, right? So it's like saying, 
how do you explain breathing to somebody? Most of us don't think, you know, breathe in, breathe out, right? It's not something that we ever, ever have to really think about. And, and more or less, not something we have to tell somebody else how to do. Like, let me tell you how to breathe today. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. you don't have a class, right? So, so how do you explain those things about your unconscious competence to other people? And what, does, what do those things mean in your life, right? So that's what this fifth gear does. And we're unpacking that over the past few weeks. And today we'll pull up the, the screen here in just a minute. But today we're going to we're going to move to the next point in the eight cognitive skills, which is a part of a tool that I've used to help dig into expanding your unconscious competence, how to look at that with these shiny lenses of unconscious competence, of conscious competency uh, with the fifth gear. And uh, we're moving from where we we're at last week, which I'll pull that up in a second, into a place of change, right? So um, just to pull this up for a second. So last week we were talking about, well, for the past few weeks, one was sustained attention, response inhibition, speed of information processing. And then today we're talking about change with cognitive flexibility and control. We'll, we'll pull that apart a little bit more, but Bill, thanks for being here today and super excited for us to launch into another episode. How, how have you been doing this week? Had a good week? You know, it's it's been very good, very busy. Uh, I think this is this this content is really good one for any time, but particularly now. And I say particularly now because if most people reflect on 2020, it has been it's challenged at least the paradigm of what they would typically associate with normal. Yeah, because so many things have changed, but. There are some things that haven't changed and some things that have gotten better. And that is the unique competence that we have. And I will say for those people who have an unconscious competence to adapt quickly, um, they seem to be faring better because they're not so busy uh, being whiplashed by change and seeing their entire world blow up. They're seeing simply adjustments, micro adjustments, and they're staying focused. They're staying focused and they're staying focused on outcomes, not just processes, because processes have changed. This whole idea of distancing, whether you're wearing a mask, whether you used to work in an office and now you work at home or whether you used to work in an office with a bunch of people. And now you work in an office with only a handful of people, Uh, all all those things, all those things uh, to say nothing of if you're a parent with small children in school and what that means wherever you're living. So this is an exciting time because in many ways, it's kind of like a, in a way a competence test to our ability to adapt in change. And when you combine that with hopefully a competence towards a skill or a craft that you have that is making a, a difference in the world of your clients, this is what this session is about. It's identifying it, uh, recognizing it, um, and getting better at it. Yeah. And how do you really, you know, what, you, what we're going through with the eight pieces that you're doing there is how do you really sharpen those skills and, and, and learn how to do them better? And I'm excited. I'm excited about it. I mean, um, if you would... I know you just blew through them, but you talked about the fifth gear. Um, walk me very briefly through one, two, three, and take me into this four, which I think is being served up to us like a, you know, like a, a burger at Chick-fil-A. 
<laughs> well, that, that chicken burger, that's right. The chicken burger, whatever. Chicken burger, yeah. yeah. Interesting, we still call it burger. Yeah, chicken burger. Okay, yeah, walk, walk us through that. Sustain All right, so again, this is, this is coming from the aspect of how do we unpack our unconscious competence, right? So mm -hmm. these are some tools in, in looking at that. And of course, if you haven't had a chance to follow along, you know, you can always go back and watch some of the other episodes or grab grab the, uh, the PDF form that I have here for you to go through it as well. But um, the, the first three that we've gone through here the past three weeks, sustained attention is really the, uh, well, of course, what it reads, basically look at, listen to think about your tasks or new tasks over a period of time, right? So it's how you're able to have this a bit of, of as it says, sustained attention, how you're able to basically look at things over a period of time. What are those tasks looks like to you? Um, how do you handle those things? What does that look like in your life, your sustained attention? Uh, of course, the next one would be response inhibition, which would be like when you have those things of attention you're supposed to be focused on. How do you keep your focus there? Right. Just like the ability to shut out distractions that someone else might not be able to. Like what's your special superpower to say I'm right here in the zone? Nothing else comes in like a horse with blinders. All they see is straight ahead, right? Take those blinders off. Oh, look all around there. It's amazing, right? Like, hey, Wilbur. All right, then number yeah. three. Sorry for those young folks out there. That's an old yeah. horse there. It's back yeah. on TV a long time ago. Uh, number three, speed of information processing. So how fast can all of these things coming at you, how fast can you process this stuff? You're the type of person that says, hold on there. Hold on, Nelly. Whoa, Nelly. There's another old TV show. Whoa, Nelly. And say, I need you to give us some time. Break it down slow. I can only take a little bit of time. Or can you take things like this and actually comprehend them, concede them, be able to process those things, right? So what does your speed of information processing look like? So uh, the way that you are able to pay attention to things, how you're able to focus on that thing you're paying attention to, and how fast can you process incoming information that's happening in your life, which then leads us into where we're at at number four, cognitive flexibility and control. That's the ability of the what and how, like what change is coming in your life, how change is coming in your life, to think about some of those things that are, that are changed. So uh, something happens um, at the job, uh, perhaps you know they're doing some changes in in structure and they may say bill just want to let you know that uh, in a couple of weeks we're bringing on a new staff member and as a result of this new staff member coming in we'd be able to reform the structure and you're going to now have a new position and your new position is going to be this this and this and this that's going to start in 30 days or hey bill we hired a new guy he comes in on monday and we're moving your position to the office down the hall and you start that position on monday as well so um report to your new your new uh, boss on Monday. Boom, two different types of change, right? So when it comes into those types of change, you know, what is the ability of your what and how? So how do you think about that? What do you think about that? And how are you able to, to handle that change in your life, right? That's the long story short, but that's where we're at today with looking at change. So Bill, uh, give us some ideas of what you're thinking about when we come in from those places of, of the attention, a response to it, to be able to, to process that. And now we have change coming and the what of that change and how that changed in our lives. Yeah, this is the part that, you know, I was, you know, basically trying to tee up in the front and that is change is happening. And yeah. the thing is there's, there's, there's almost like there's micro changes. And uh, I would say, you know, talking to people about that, is there, is there a very conscious behavior that goes with handling that change? Of course. 
uh, we talked a little bit about how we process that change, how we can receive information, process and distribute, receive, process, distribute. So we don't just feel like a shock absorber. So by the time we get home, all we've done is experience bouncing and we're emotionally, physically exhausted. Um, and for those of us that are business owners, it's not like I go home and it changes. You, you take your title with you wherever you go 24 seven. You are always basically the president of your company or the, in my case, the creative, the president, the creative director of my company. Uh, I don't take off that hat. I will change my focus at different times. But right now we're in a place where, look, if I even turn on the news, that could affect my business and your job. If you um, have a family situation, we've got a family situation that we're dealing with uh, with uh, an, a, a mom that's ill. That changes focus, that changes attention. And so that ability to um, recognize change, receive the information, process it, distribute it, the faster you get at it, actually, the better. Now, do we understand that there's people that need to process slower? It doesn't make them slower. Right. In fact, in some cases, it makes them better because the process part is doesn't get just a, a drive-by process. It gets a deliberate process. I work with some people that, you know, I'll say, uh, uh, hey, let's do ba 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 you know? And uh, I'm, I'm ready for, well, that's a great idea, ba 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 Instead, sometimes, and many of my team members, because I've got brilliant team members, will say, let's think on that. Let's really process what, what that could mean. And they might not verbally say that, but that's what they do with their eyes and they do with the lack of the immediate <laughs> spontaneous answer. You know, I think that sometimes processing looks like a game of ping pong. Some people say, no, sometimes actually processing looks like a deliberate process of reflection instead of reaction. So well, the, you bring up an interesting point because at some points, uh, folks that are uh, creative, extremely driven, uh, like me, depends on whether you're a thinker or a feeler. Uh, but when you pro when you process something like that, da 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 da, and they go, well, sometimes the person that brings that out, is like, what do you mean, well? <laughs> I mean, what's wrong right. with what I just said? Right? I mean, there's there's that going on there too, right? Well, that, that well thing is not only a, a, that, but also the idea that one of the dangers of, of most leaders is that we're thinking all the time and we have contextual information that leads to a conclusion. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if I decide, you know what, we're going to um, paint the office red. I've been thinking about, we're going to paint the office. I'm joking. Of course, that's not more brand colors. Guess what it is. It's blue. But um, the idea that I would just go in and go, hmm, I've been thinking about it. And I might say, it's kind of like the sunset. It's kind of like the sunrise. It's kind of like a bold color. It's like this. Da, da, da. Hmm. Yeah, that would be a good reflection. Then I go to someone on my staff and say, hey, what do you think? We're going to paint the office red truth is they don't have context right for i'm looking for a reaction not the level of reflection that that we have and so i think in this process of conscious competence it's really important to recognize how you process and how much is happening 
underneath the radar and to work with your team members in a manner that honors their process. And the more you're deliberate about context, about information, honoring their style, the more you can help them operate in their fifth gear. Even though it might look like a, a slightly different speed, it's still a powerful, powerful gear to operate in. Yeah, absolutely. So that comes back a bit, obviously, to the to the uh, the what and the how here at number four, this flexibility and control. So obviously, uh, this is for you personally, folks that are listening and or for your business corporation, however, however it would apply best to you. But if you're listening personally, it's probably for you personally first. So you know, if you're the leader of a group, organization, team, whatever, um, to have that flexibility and control up front, because realizing um, I mean, even though you have some great people, you're always going to have a different opinion or someone's not going to like something or whatever, right? There's always going to be a form of opposition somewhere. So to have that flexibility and the control on the front side, not always easy, but to know, okay, I'm probably going to have some, op some folks are not going to dig a red room. I, I know they're not going to, I know, as a matter of fact, I know Johnny is not going to like a red room for a fact. I know he's not going to like this. So for the fact that I know Johnny's not going to like the red room, I'm going in prepared mentally in an area of this change to, to expect he's going to come at me one way. If he does, I'm ready for it, right? Not like I'm ready to throw something back at you, but I'm expecting something from you. You could be pleasantly surprised, which is always awesome. You're like, oh, man, I was expecting him to do X, Y, Z, and he didn't. Amazing. I wonder what he really feels on the inside. Maybe I should have asked him. <laughs> like, doesn't nice have to go that way. But to have that flexibility and control, uh, it helps protect us um, uh, from, from anger, frustration, um, feeling of uh, disrespect or, you know, all these other kinds of feelings that could come into play um, when we go into a scenario with, with certain expectations or differences when we understand how to have cognitive flexibility and control mm -hmm. when it comes to change. Right? Again, this is not an overnight snap your fingers and I'm perfect at change kind of thing. This is an opportunity to examine what we're doing here is examining. We're, we're examining our current state of life, our current unconscious compass. This isn't like saying you are this person, you are that person. This is saying, who am I? Right? How do you handle cognitive flexibility and control? This is a chance for you to dissect that yourself. Yeah, but the work side of it, the 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 microscope that we have in this particular uh, area number four today is, you know, how do you um, handle the what? And the, how do you how handle the house? You know, how do you deal with the what and the hows when it comes down to change, and when it comes into change from something you present to somebody else coming back to you? So it might be something that happens directly to you. You could be Johnny, and the room turns red, and you love blue, or you could be the person who's in charge of Johnny changing the color from blue to red, right? So. Uh, it just depends on which person you are in the case. Either way, you should be prepared in that scenario with this whole this section of this tool, right? With cognitive flexibility and control. So, um, you know, I know typically, Bill, your posture is a, a humble and uh, man who listens. I mean, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. I've heard that said for a long, long time. Yeah, it's more important to listen than speak. And uh, I've allowed this to get me in way more trouble than these have over the years of my life. It takes a bit of discipline, right? So, 
you know, what for you, Bill, I mean, what's what's some of that thing personally you're able to do in your life coming from that posture, that person mm-hmm. to be able to handle the those what's and how's and change? Well, I, I would I would say one just time experience. Uh, getting broader context in life has definitely helped because I, I, I look at all these things that you have here, Matt, and I have such respect for them. And I realize there's aspects of every single one of these I continue to work on um, every day. Uh, but without a doubt, and, and I say this jokingly, uh, sometimes for me, these lessons have come in the form of a two by four to the head. <laughs> Yeah. And they have some lessons people learn, you know, gradually, like they go into the classroom of life. And some of us go into a line where, you know, you get hit in the head and there's an awakening, if you will. And I've had a number of awakenings. And uh, and that's why even as we talk about this, I think about myself and how I can um, adapt to change and and. Uh, um, you know, process and try to operate my own fifth gear. I also feel a tremendous responsibility to my team as a leader and to my clients because you you don't get to work in a vacuum. I mean, all these skills that we're talking about um, sound good on paper, but ultimately they get field tested. They get field tested in our own hearts they get field tested with our families. They get field tested with our teams. They get field tested with our clients. And it's in that application and every single one will bring you change all the time, all the time. Yeah. And uh, I find that it is, uh, when well, you and I talked briefly before we started the show, that it kind of reminds me of video games in a way in that uh, most people would say, that uh, you can't multitask. And I would agree that generally multitasking between uh, one central task to another central task to another central task, I agree that requires a shifting of gears. However, there's things that you can operate within the context of a larger task, like a video game. Uh, Save the princess, okay? Uh, I think it's the, the, the Mario premise. Well, guess what? In seeing the princess, I might have to jump a mushroom, uh, grow large, you know, blow up a rock, da da da, go down the list. You know, there's so many tasks that need to accomplish to do the princess. And you find that there is a way in the mindset that you can operate a number of micro tasks as long as they work in harmony for a larger task. Yeah, or larger vision. And I would say that's probably one of the biggest things that's changed in me has been every day remembering what the bigger vision is, remembering what the bigger picture is, remembering what the purpose is, remember what my why is. And of course, in service to my clients and my team, remembering their why and remembering why I've been called to do that. And so when you keep that picture, it really does allow you to process information because it's processing and distributing within the context of that picture and especially that vision. And uh, as you move into number four, and especially I think number five is one of your points that you bring up, um, that's where this becomes 
a reality. It can work. And I'd love to hear you um, talk a little bit about your approach on multiple uh, simultaneous attention. Yeah, no doubt. And we're going to really uh, probably spend more time digging into that for sure next week. So this is a great way to set up what's uh, what's going to be coming because there's no doubt there's a lot of folks that are watching or listening here today that are multitaskers. And many of us are, are happy to be multitaskers. Many of us are able to accomplish many things as a result of multitasking. So I'm a, I'm a multitasker as well, pro-multitasker. However, uh, there can definitely be an issue as far as multitasking is concerned. One of the things we talked about before the show is uh, lately the past few months, I've been reading several articles and different things in, in print that are talking about the dangers of multitasking, right? Now, all of a sudden, multitasking is a bad thing. So uh, I think it can be if we're not if we're not balanced in other areas of our lives, right? That's what we've been talking about here the whole time. So uh, when we move in this place, when we're when we're able to handle some of these things like change in our life, and obviously there's going to be some change in our life that's just going to hit you like that two by four you talked about. There, there's no doubt. There's times that because we're human, there's things that are going to happen that's going to just affect us a different way. Mm -hmm. uh, but some of the things that are in our normal routine for life, some of those changes may not be as detrimental as like, hey, Mr. Crump, you've got cancer. Or, hey, Miss Dolan, your husband just died on an airplane. I mean, like, right? I mean, those are some serious change things that happen in our lives that yeah. require a little bit of different response, right? But overall, they're moving into the section of multitasking. We're you're multitasking pro, this simultaneous attention, multiple things, right? You can move attention and efforts back and forth between more activities when engaged in them at the same time. So you've got your, you're in the zone, the mojo is going, the train has has left the station, you're rocking and rolling, filling whatever other idea you could possibly come up with. All right. And, um, and then there's something else down the track that comes your way. You're like, yep, I got that too. Can handle that? No problem. Got this one. That needs done by Thursday. Got it. Nope. Nope. Friday's okay. No problem. Got that one too, right? We can multitask certain things. So it presses in on your sustained attention. One of the first places we talked about, your ability to focus on some things. It really presses in on that. Um, your response inhibition and speed of information processing are areas that are, are flexed at that time as well. Like, how are you able to shut certain things out to accomplish other things, especially when you're multitasking? If you've got five tasks to do today, how do you block out tasks one through four to get five done? Or do you block out one through four to get five done, right? How do you work that stuff out? How do you process those things? Um, it also requires planning and strategy. So when it comes down to multitasking, uh, the biggest danger that I see uh, through my own life and through a lot of people that I've counseled and coached over the years has been um, no strategy, no prior planning. Um, I think it's possible to multitask effectively, especially if you have a plan to handle what it is that's come your way. Again, it doesn't mean that something can't spontaneously occur, but when things are in the norm, there should be a system or a process or some sort of strategy uh, that's in place that allows you to be able to function in that area well. So again, coming back to our unconscious competency, what does that look like in your life right now, right this second, right? How do you have that right now as far as multiple simultaneous attention? What's that look like? What are the good things? What are the not so good things? How can you scale that? How can you remove certain things? And then of course, this whole area that we're talking about in the fifth gear 
is learning personally. You're learning for yourself, your unconscious competencies. And then being able to effectively take all of, of your unconscious competencies, your superpower, and effectively, consciously and competently um, teach that to somebody else, mm. which makes the big difference, right? So when it comes down to multitasking, many of us can say, I don't know, I just do it. <laughs> just I'm just good at it. I can do it. I can, or What's that mean? Right. Let's stop right there, buddy. What does it mean? You can just do it. I, I can handle it. No problems. It would take me longer to explain to you how I do it than for me to actually just go ahead and do it and get it done in the first place. Guilty as charged. Said it many, many times. Totally understand what that means. But what is that? What is that thing about you with the multitasking? Right. So there's no doubt. I mean, we're at the end of the show now. We could go into a lot there. And I think it would be a great place to, to jump into uh, the thought process, what we're going to do for next week. Maybe in 30 seconds, Bill, what's your quick blink on that idea with multi-simultaneous attention? Well, I think it's a, it's a giant subject. And I would say that if uh, you think that you can multitask, uh, you think you're a great multitasker, um, and, or you think that it's impossible to multitask, I mean, we're going to dig into that because there are, there are aspects of multitasking that I think are really important to consider. You know, one we already touched on a little bit is that that is – is it a task within the context of a larger vision and picture? Are they tasks that are isolated and broken down or serving different purposes? And, and I'll leave this for next week. What if you replace the term task with relationship? What does that look like? And that's a gigantic area of opportunity and explosive risk. And that's what I, I look forward to unpacking next week. Yeah. So folks, are you multitasking or multi-relational, multi-relationship, multi-focused on, on really the attention it takes to help somebody else, right? Because multitasking is supposed to be about accomplishing something. When you accomplish something, it should be that it benefits somebody else. It's not always just about me, right? It should be about somebody else. Yeah. So that's, that's a different perspective to take on when we're multitasking. Because some folks in, in autopilot, autopilot, they're not necessarily thinking like, well, if I get this done and this done, I can get lunch in here so I can stay healthy and get back here. To, I can still get this done. It, it, you're not thinking about, well, what's this look like for Bill today for me to do these things, right? The question we all have to ask ourselves is, are we are we multitasking on the things that are meaningful and lasting? Or are we being seduced by the illusion of movement? Mm. Because a lot of us, you know, we've said it, we said it one of the earlier shows, the idea, it's the premise of, in part of my book and why relationship marketing, a lot of us, not a lot of us, all of us want to love and be loved. And one of the struggles that we have is with self-love and am I worthy and am I valuable? And we live in a culture where being busy is a, uh, a merit badge that you can slap on and, you know, how are you doing? Well, I'm busy. And somehow we've attached that to important, uh, accomplished, give it whatever attribute. But we think important people are always busy. And we don't always say, you know, how productive are you? How much of today's work was meaningful for you? How much of your work had a lasting difference in your life and the lives of others? Um, instead of how many plates were you spinning today? And uh, to, 
you know, how many monkeys, you know, were you feeding and having jump off your shoulder just for entertainment value? Well, I, I know because I used to spin a lot of plates and um, play with a lot of monkeys and go, oh, yeah, I'm just crazy busy. And so there's there's a lot packed into this multitasking approach, not only the application, but to the framework in which we look at it and why we do it. So there's a lot to unpack next week. There is. Can't wait to get into that. So we've moved from change into multitasking. And our focus next week will be picking up right there with multitasking. So, Bill, I hope you have an incredible weekend. And uh, I'm looking forward to a fantastic week ahead. Again, folks, if you're uh, following along with us today, we've been digging into that whole aspect of change. So, you know, I would challenge you this weekend. Right? It's Friday. So you've got till you've got Saturday, Sunday. You know, what does what does that look like in your life? How do you handle change in your own life? Not just how, but what do you do when change comes? And then how do you handle it? That's a pretty important thing to do. Maybe journal about it, write about it, post about it, uh, internalize it, whatever. But uh, I'd love for you to do that and maybe even make a comment here in the sections today, where, wherever you're watching or listening from. And, uh, and just let us know what that looks like in your life as well. You might have something that uh, would be fantastic for somebody else to hear. Um, so the only way they're going to know about it is when you post it. So please do that. Bill, thanks again for being here with another episode of Flight School. Yeah, I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you very much. And folks, I guess we'll see you again next time. Lord willing, the creek don't rise right here for Flight School. Next week will be episode number eight. Woo -woo. All right, we'll see you next time, y'all. Thank you so much. Each week, Bill and I bring you episodes to help you get and stay grounded in your business and your life with lessons that help you fly higher heights and know exactly what your flight plan is. Join us each week on Fridays at 10.30 a.m. Eastern and 7.30 a.m. Pacific Time. Welcome to Flight School.